Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, today you're going to talk about some current scientific news, and it involves your favorite biomolecule. (laughs) Yes, Scott, my favorite biomolecule. And what would that be? RNA. That's right, RNA. But do you know what RNA stands for? Well, I've been around you long enough, so I do know what it stands for. It's ribonucleic acid. RNA. Well said. And what's its better known cousin? Are you referring to DNA? Yes, DNA. Deoxyribonucleic acid. And most people have at least heard of DNA and know it has something to do with our heredity. But recently, RNA has been grabbing the headlines, and not just in scientific news, but in the mainline media. And why is that, Scott? Because the highly anticipated vaccine to the COVID-19 virus is made of RNA. Indeed. Which gives me a good reason for making RNA my favorite biomolecule. But, Dr. Scripture, RNA has been near and dear to your heart long before the pandemic. (laughs) Back in the 90s, you spent seven years studying RNA for your doctorate. Oh, that's right. The research for my Ph.D. in biochemistry focused on the structure and function of an RNA molecule that forms part of the ribosome, the machine that manufactures protein in cells. And yes, that was way back in the 1990s. Scott, did you have to bring up how long ago it was? Sorry. Well, I think it indicates you've been keeping abreast of RNA for a long time before so much was known about it. And now it's in the headlines. Yes, I almost feel like a proud parent, (laughs) watching it develop from an obscure supporting actor in a movie to playing the lead role. (laughs) The thing is, until the development of this new coronavirus vaccine, at least in the medical field, RNA has been the villain. Really? What do you mean by that? Well, the new vaccine is made of RNA. But you know what the virus itself is made of, don't you? Uh, germs? <laughs> well, you could think of it that way. But more accurately put, COVID-19 is made of RNA. Ah. In other words, it is an RNA virus. And it joins a host of other infamous viruses known as RNA viruses. Listen to this list. Measles, mumps, hepatitis, influenza, rabies, Zika, HIV, polio, dengue, West Nile, yellow fever. And those are just ones I chose because most people have heard of them. So all those viruses you just listed are made of RNA. That's right. Well, RNA certainly isn't on my list of favorite biomolecules. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. But the thing is, Scott, with a better understanding, anyone should be able to appreciate the magnificent creation that is ribonucleic acid. So what I want to do in our program today is describe some of its features what it is and what it does, and then address some questions I've been getting related to the vaccine. Okay, so where do you want to start? Well, I think knowing some things about RNA definitely helps people understand the vaccine. So I want to start with an explanation of what RNA is and then talk some about what it does. So what is ribonucleic acid? Its name actually tells you quite a lot about what it is. Simply put, it is a chemical, an acid. But unlike hydrogen chloride or sulfuric acid, it is a very complex chemical. It's made of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, hydrogen, and phosphorus atoms. Now, that may still sound pretty simple, 
But the arrangement of those atoms in an RNA molecule is fantastically complex and specific. One of its parts is ribose, which is a sugar molecule. That's the ribo part of the name. Exactly. And without getting off subject too much, Scott, what do you think the deoxyribo part of DNA might be? Is the ribose missing oxygen? Very good. The ribose sugar molecule in DNA is missing one oxygen atom. And that is the only chemical difference between RNA and DNA. But it makes a huge difference in how they behave. The ribose sugar component of DNA is missing an oxygen atom, and therefore it's called deoxyribonucleic acid. So we've discussed the ribo and acid parts of RNA. All that's left is the nucleic part. What does nucleic remind you of? It makes me think of nucleus. That's it. Nucleic acids are found in the nucleus of the cell. In cells that have a nucleus, that's where the DNA is and where RNA is made. However, the RNA is then transported out of the nucleus into the cytoplasm of the cell where it carries out its jobs. So now you know what R, ribo, N, nucleic, and A, acid, is. And it is perhaps the creator's most fantastically, wonderful, magnificent molecule of all the molecules he designed and brought into existence. You're suggesting it's even more amazing than DNA? I do. And I know I can't be totally objective about it, but RNA is like DNA because it carries genetic information. But it has a whole repertoire of other functions that DNA cannot do. And it's because RNA can form lots, in fact, an infinite number of shapes that gives it the ability to carry out numerous functions DNA doesn't. There's a simple, profound statement in science that I find extremely helpful when trying to explain the different abilities various molecules have, and it's this. Structure determines function. And the illustration of that principle that I like to use is the difference between a hammer and a shoe. Scott, have you ever wanted to drive a nail into a wall and you didn't have a hammer nearby? Uh, sure. It seems like the right tool is never around when you need it. <laughs> exactly. The right tool. But then, did you try using your shoe to pound the nail in? Maybe. How'd that work? <laughs> well, after a few whacks and a few bruises, I did get the nail pounded in. Sort of. <laughs> yes. And I've done the same thing. But the point is, a hammer would have worked way better. Why? Because the structure of the hammer gives it its ability to function much better than the heel of a shoe, which is made to do something else. So in biochemistry, hundreds of thousands of different molecules have different shapes, that is, structures, that enable them to do all kinds of different things. They carry out different chemical reactions. They produce different signals. They form structural grid works. It's marvelous what biomolecules can do. But each one has to be a precise shape to carry out its function. Now, the shape of DNA allows it to carry information that instructs the cell how to make other biomolecules. But as fantastic as that is, the overall shape of DNA is relatively inflexible. It's a spiral-shaped chain. It will bend or even form loops like an extension cord, but structurally, it's basically a long chain. Now, RNA, since it is very similar to DNA, is a molecule that can form one of those spiral chains too. But unlike DNA, 
It can also take other shapes, like hairpin loops and curlicues and branches like a tree that may to us look like a tangled mess. But actually, it's those bizarre shapes that enable the RNA molecules to do things the DNA molecule simply can't do. So what can RNA do that DNA cannot? Well, for what we're going to talk about, it becomes the working copy of the information DNA carries to ultimately make a protein. And the illustration I like to use to explain that is the architect versus the carpenter scenario. To build a house, you pay the architect a lot of money to draw a blueprint, which are all the instructions necessary to build the whole house. Now, do you send that blueprint out on the job with the carpenters? <laughs> no, you make partial copies of the original blueprint that just give the carpenters the instructions they need for the wooden parts of the house so they can drop the copies in the mud, spill mm. coffee on them. It doesn't matter. It's easy to make more copies. In other words, the copies are disposable. Exactly. Well, the DNA is like the original blueprint. But the cell makes copies of the DNA, not the entire DNA, but small parts called genes. And those copies of the genes are made of RNA. The thing is, RNA has many other functions that it carries out. And so scientists have devised different names for RNAs that do different things. The kind of RNA that makes a copy of a gene that eventually becomes a protein is called messenger RNA, or mRNA. I've heard of that. Yeah. So a messenger RNA molecule is made in the nucleus, and then it's transported out into the cytoplasm of the cell where the protein-making machine I mentioned earlier, the ribosome, the ribosome, reads the message carried by the mRNA and synthesizes the protein whose instructions were originally carried carried by a gene in the DNA. So if you inject into a person mRNA with the instructions to make a protein that is just part of a virus, that person's cells will just make that viral protein, not the whole virus. The mRNA is then quickly broken down, leaving just the viral proteins made by the ribosomes. The person's immune system will then make antibodies against that protein. So later, if the actual virus gets in the person's system, the antibodies will attack the virus before it can cause your cells to make lots of the virus and spread through your body. And this vaccine that has just been developed is the RNA that tells your cells to make part of the COVID-19 virus. That's what it is. It is an ingenious way of enabling our bodies to develop antibodies to a virus. And one of the benefits of this kind of vaccine is the mRNA is quickly degraded by your body. And another benefit is, because of the technology we now have, we can make whatever mRNA we want very quickly. But Dr. Scripture, one of the things that people have questions about is the vaccine's effectiveness and safety because it was developed so quickly. That's right. And another concern people have is that they have never heard of an RNA vaccine before. They wonder if this is the first RNA vaccine ever even given to humans. And the answer is yes, but not for reasons people might think. The reason is mainly because up until now, it was not economically feasible to make and distribute mRNA vaccines, even though they could have been made. Remember I said the RNA is quickly broken down. 
Well, that's a problem. When you're trying to make shots that have to be distributed all over the world, how can you preserve such an unstable product? It has to be frozen in extreme cold, which is very costly. So making RNA vaccines simply wasn't practical. But with the extreme urgency caused by this pandemic, governments told pharmaceutical companies to spare no expense to develop a vaccine. And that removed the economic barrier to develop this first mRNA vaccine. Well, Dr. Scripture, there are other questions that many people are asking about this first ever RNA vaccine that I know you want to address, but we're out of time. Yeah. Can we continue this discussion in our next program? Absolutely, Scott. And if people don't want to wait until next week, I encourage them to ask me their questions by writing an email to scripture at scriptureoncreation.org, and I'll do my best to answer them and maybe even address your question on the program. But to conclude, In our program today, I have said very little about the one responsible for this most amazing molecule we call ribonucleic acid. And it's not Pfizer or Moderna, the developers of the vaccine. That one is the creator of all things, the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only created the fantastic biomolecules like proteins, DNA, and RNA that make life possible. He created these minds which we use to discover the wonders of his creation. And so when it comes to the things our Creator has done, we can say with Moses, his prayer in Deuteronomy 3.24, O Lord our God, Thou hast begun to show Thy servant Thy greatness and Thy strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as Thine? And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says. 